Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, I'm Daniel Rosenboom, and for 15 years I've traveled the world as a freestyle footballer. Join me in telling the story of the most popular sport that you've never heard of, where I'll be speaking to the big personalities that make freestyle what it is and their amazing journey from the streets to the stage. Are you guys ready? It doesn't matter where you are or who is watching, when it comes to freestyle, all you need is a ball. Yes! <laughs> Oh yeah, that was insane! Oh yes! Welcome to the world of freestyle. Welcome to the official podcast of the WFFA. Today my guest is street football champion from the UK, Jack Downer. Jack has been playing street football for 10 years and admits it was the sport he never knew he needed. In that time he has not met Neymar, gained millions of social media followers and won countless tournaments. But there was one point not that long ago where a freak football injury nearly cost Jack his life. Well, what had happened is my liver exploded. Straight away, I couldn't breathe. 45 seconds passes and I don't take a breath. I'm convinced in my head I'm dying. But Jack made it through and revealed to me why Vikings helped his recovery. Ragnar Lothbrok, the day before I got injured, I was watching Vikings and he got stabbed in his liver. And then I'm in the taxi, I'm holding my girlfriend's hand, I'm in pain and I say to her, I don't know how the Vikings did it. I spoke to Jack not long ago. Thankfully it was virtually, so he couldn't nutmeg me. So now on All You Need Is A Ball, let's hear from Jack Downer. Jack, how's it going, man? Hey, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Thank you for having me, Dan. Um, I'm excited to get this going. So I introduce you as a street football player, but does that do you any justice? Is that how you introduce yourself or how does that work? To be honest, that is the biggest justice I can receive. Um, sometimes I get called a freestyler. That is an injustice <laughs> to all freestylers. I can just about do it around the world. Um, panel player is always good, but I definitely prefer to be a street player. Um, for me, the difference between a street footballer and a panel player is that uh, panel obviously you're good in 1v1, street player means you can apply it up to 5v5 and although my shooting and my left foot's not amazing, 
I'd like to think I'm pretty effective. So I'll take that. Thanks. Let's say if you're at a gathering at some sorts, let's say a birthday party, and people have no idea what you do. Like when they say, oh, Jack, what do you do for a living? What do you tell them? Is it is it hard to explain? Because you do many things, right? Yeah, that is, that is a problem I face at most birthdays. So yeah, right. <laughs> yes. um, I would say I would like to put for me in my head, I'm an athlete. That's That's how I view myself i'm an athlete i love doing what i do and i train that's my focus of each week of each day i guess i'm a content creator um and i try and inspire kids to um if they love football you can still get a job in it even if you're not a pro and if that message is being spread and people are enjoying a sport that changed my life then i'm happy so i'll be a content creator as long as it's in those terms. <laughs> that, that makes complete sense to me because I, I reckon, you know, you know, I'm a freestyler myself and there's also sometimes, you know, you have to explain what you do and things like yeah. that. But it's like a typical 2022 thing, right? You can become whatever you want and make a living out of it. So it's wonderful, I, I think. If I would ask you, what does a ball mean to you? Is it is it like your whole life, the ball? Is that what it's about? To be honest, it, that answer changes. I'd, if you'd ask me... When I started 10 years ago, I started panel when I was 14. If you'd asked me then, it would have been every, well, it would have been 50%. The ball and the fact I never had any shoes and my feet are so fragile, I always need shoes. So having a ball and having my shoes, that was everything. Um, that was all I trained with. That was all I needed. The, the, I still don't spend money because if I want to do something I enjoy, I just go play football. So like it, it is still a majority, but I say the difference between then and now is... I'm at the stage in my life where I'm trying to progress other areas. The ball is like 50%, but now I'm trying to learn other sports and I'm trying to push myself as an athlete in as many ways as possible. Um, I'm actually running a lot and things like this. And so the ball is super high, but I'd say, yeah, it was, there was a point where it was fully everything. I didn't even think about any commitments that I had. I just wanted to play. I mean, maybe I'm completely wrong here, right? But the impression I, I get from you is that Everything is about working hard. That seems like really the key word in your way of being. I'll, I'll take that. Thank you. I think for me, I can't dictate, you know, some people are born and they just both footed. Some people are, you know, just naturally amazing. I, I'm very thankful for how I am naturally. I think I'm reasonably athletic. However, when I started, normal football was super late. I started normal football when I was around 10, uh, which for most kids... You know, they're starting at like three, four. By the time I wanted to join my friends in the local team, I was getting smashed. I was so bad that on the first training session, I kid you not, a kid pulled down my pants and the manager even said, you're never allowed to come back. Oh, really? <laughs> what? So I trained really hard. I joined the worst club. We lost every game that season. And then the season after, I went back to that club. And by the end of the season, I was player of season and captain. Why? It was because I had instilled in me then, I'm going to outwork everyone. And although at that point it was kind of personal to the other people, now it's just the only thing I can control. You know, if I, I know I can maximize, I can't change my weak foot like overnight. I wasn't born with an amazing left foot, but I can make it an amazing left foot with time. And I think that's one of the things that I learned from practicing um, Pana specifically in ground moves is that when you put apply yourself you do see the improvements you just got to stick with them and that's what nice. inspires me the learning um so i'm always working hard but it's because i just love to learn love that and, and was, were you the same like for example in school like i was little jack in school did you really study hard or were you more like a lazy student i was 
I would say I was an efficient student. Um, by that, I mean I did the least I possibly could to get the best possible grades. So I was a straight A student. I got uh, very good grades the higher I got. I could have gone to Oxford or Cambridge for uni. Uh, I studied philosophy at King's in London because I moved to London because I wanted to be... I didn't want to be in Oxford or Cambridge. Where's the street football there? <laughs> I went to London. Um, however, yeah, academically, I was very good. But it did change. It changed when I was about in year 9, 10, which is about 13, 14. So similar to when I started playing Pana. Before then, I was naturally quite smart. Um, and I always listened. And, I, you know, I didn't talk in class too much or whatever. But then after that, I decided, actually, I'm going to get competitive now with my grades. I'm going to make sure that I don't get anything below an A. And I never revised much. And yeah, thankfully it went well. But the discipline that I got through Pana really helped me as I progressed through uh, my later ed years of education. Partly because, um, one, I was like, if I can get this revision out of the way, I can go train. So it's like my reward. If I could learn how to do, you know, a Randall's ankle breaker, I can definitely learn how to pass a biology test. Like, <laughs> I felt like I was achieving things that were much more complicated than what I was having to do in school. So, um, yeah, I was always quite motivated when I got to school. I thought like it was an easy part, get out of the way and then I can go train. Okay, so let's um, let's go back to football, right? So you said you weren't necessarily the best football player, but were you always inspired by like technical football? Did you like already step overs and tricks and things like that on the pitch? Or were you more like a typical English defender? Or how did that work? Well, I, I started football. Genuinely, I learned how to do an elastico before I learned how to pass. So I, okay, okay, I was, okay. that's how I wanted to be. I had, basically, I had a shrine of Ronaldinho. I had his, like, little collector's cards, everything. And the reason that I, well, I loved him was because um, my dad always used to train boxing. So I was always in the boxing gym whilst he was training. And there wasn't too much to do because I didn't want to start boxing. And then one day I logged on to uh, kind of the, the computer in the, in the office. And Ronaldinho came up on YouTube. It was like a yoga bonito video, and that was it. I was like, there was a football there. It had no air in, but I thought, oh, I'm going to go do that. I was doing the Alaska outside. Then Dad got me a new football while I was practicing against the wall. So I was always practicing on the street. Um, and I got really quite decent at these conventional skills. However, when I played, yeah, I was not Ronaldinho. I was a defender, and I was an English defender. Um, <laughs> you were Gary I, Neville instead. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, In fact, I, I did play right back. Um, partly, I would show flurries of being quite a good player. There'd be situations where I'd do really well. But as a whole, I was never quite as comfortable as I wanted to be at that age to try the things I wanted. At school, at lunch, I'd do amazing things, score bicycle kicks. But in, in the game, I think I scored one goal like in a, in a season. Um, however, yeah, I was definitely more of an English defender. So when was the point when you realized, hey, wait a second, this is a thing on its own. Street football is a sport or did you met someone that was good at it or did you go to competition or how did that go? So so this is, yeah, I think this is an amazing story. This is one of my favorite, well, obviously it's one of my favorite experiences, but I think the chances of it are super low. I, I live in a tiny seaside town, right? The closest club is a League Two club an hour away. Um, and then to get into London's an hour and a half. And those scouts come down here because they've got enough in London. So I've been pushing and pushing for 11 aside super hard. I was training, I had all these workouts, I was playing matches. Da, da, da. And I was getting scouted consistently by West Ham, Tottenham, Charlton. They were coming down to look at me. And I was thinking, wow, I might do something here. 
Then I got a big injury, right? So my ankle went, final game of the season. We just won the league, the cup, the national, uh, no, the Kent Cup of the school. Doing really well. My ankle's gone. I'm out. Turns out for eight months. Ouch. So I'm missing the whole of summer. I'm missing, you know, all the time with my friends. My whole social life was football. And my mum says to me, she keeps saying to me, Jack, you need to play again. You need to play. You need to play. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I've fallen out of love with 11 side. And one day she goes, hey, there's this football club on at the town hall. And I'm thinking I'm kind of cool now, teenager. I'm not going there. And um, she goes, okay, okay. Next, next week later, she goes, hey, come walk the dog with me. I said, okay. It was on a Thursday, the only day that I actually had a free evening. And I'm walking the dog and um, we appear at the town hall. And out of thin air, she just gives me my football boots, hands me one pound coin and says, go in there. <laughs> it was the club. I go in, there's three kids, right? One is pretty young. One is in my year at a different school, you know, the really annoying kid. And then there's the kid in the year below at my school who's really good at everything. And I'm thinking, what? Then I turn around and this is where I met Yofi from Your Street Zone. And oh, okay. I'm a, I'm a young, small lad, right? And I see this big dude, <laughs> cool outfit on. He's wearing a hat indoors. He's got this hoodie on and he's just dancing with the ball. And I'm thinking, what is that? And I said to mum, I said, yeah. I'll stay, catch you later. And I come in and I'm like, teach me whatever that is. I don't know what it is, but I need to learn it. This is like a new skill I've never seen before. So what was it like a little panna cage or what was it? Or? It was just it was just an open indoor, like a futsal court, but no nice. goals, just a tiny room that's normally used for like, I don't know, weddings or something. Oh um, yeah, yeah. It's not it wasn't a cool room. However, with Yofi in it, it was a cool room. And then he got out, he got out some cones. And we, he taught us a skill move and it was kind of like a sleeper and um, we had to use it against each other. And I nutmegged the little kid, yes. And then I nutmegged nice. the annoying kid, yes. Then I was against the kid from the year below and I'm thinking, yeah, I've got him and he murdered me. He killed me. <laughs> he patted me and then I said, play me again. He patted me again. And after that was the moment where I was truly like addicted because I was like, I need to come back and get revenge and then I trained every day that week I was learning look I said to Yofi can you give me some homework can you give me someone to search up yeah he said just type in the street kings I typed them in and uh that was when I, I watched them but when you saw that uh, little street event there did you already know that Pana was was a thing no no I'd never heard of Pana never heard of street football the closest I would have watched is Yoga Benito with a night cage I'd never seen any videos um yeah, I, I barely even seen freestyle at that point, to be honest. Did you start to train straight away, like every day from that point yeah. on? Yeah, yeah. As soon as I got nutmegged, I waited and waited and I waited until everyone had left and Yofi was going to get the bus. Yeah. And I walked with him. I walked every day. He wanted me to go away, I'm sure. And I was staying. I said, look, just tell me, what can I learn? What can I? And then at the end, he goes, watch the Street Kings. I said, okay. That day, I went back. I was training. There's a little bit of like, concrete outside my house. I was training and I was trying to figure these moves. And then I was like, if I can learn more moves, because he, he nutmegged me of something I hadn't seen. So yeah. I was like, I need to learn them all so that I can get in with that. And then um, I went and then I was walking home and my friend, he doesn't even play football. I said, hey, you have to come train with me. Every day I was getting people to come train, come train at lunch. Um, and then, yeah, then a week later it came. I said, hey, James, you got to play against me now. 
Yeah. And um, Yofi said at the end of the session, at the end of the session, I'm literally just itching to play him. And then I did. I megged him. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you know, hard work pays off. I'm going to keep going. And that that intensity that I trained with every day, I carried on for nine years without missing a day, pretty much. And when you're already aware of competitions, uh, like somewhere or not at all? No, I was, I'd seen this kind of the competition, street football competitions in my eyes were like a myth. You know, I'd seen clips of Izzy Hitman when he was super young, doing yeah. crazy shit and 2v2s and 3v3s. And I'd seen some in the cage of like Ed and Vandenberg and I was thinking, what is this? Like, but it, it seemed like I'd already missed it. It seemed like that had happened, but it's not happening again. And then I was actually talking to Licht. I posted a panel and it was, it was quite a decent one. And he, I'd sent it to him on Facebook and he used to reply. Oh, I mean, he still does. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he used to reply to me really nicely back then. And uh, it was, he said, yeah, you're good enough to, you, you're good enough to represent England. And I was like, what? Yeah. And then I, 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 me and my dad, we had no money, but we managed to drive to Brussels in 2014 for my first tournament which was European Street Cup and that was that was one of the best tournaments I've ever been to. So how, how, how did it go? How did it go? Well I, like any Panna player who's just started all I wanted to do was Panna people and yeah. the idea of goals I really didn't care about so I, I managed to the first game I lost but it was close I accidentally scored a couple and yeah. then uh, my dad was just saying just score and then um, the next guy I actually gave him I gave him a two touch Panna Oh, nice. And then I won my final game, like 1-0. And then I went through and I was against Alice from Belgium, Alice Street Talent. Yeah. And I was thinking, oh, my days. I just seen him panacea on Garnier. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So I'm playing and, you know, I didn't know anything about tackling. I just kind of hopped around and he just scored a goal really easily. And then I was thinking, I was trying to panner him. And I was thinking, why is he not opening his legs? Why is he not trying to panner me? Of course, it was an easy game for him. He just went through. Um, and that was, I learned quite a lot about competition in that one. And then I actually started winning some games against good players. Um, and I was pretty proud of that. I beat Alex on goals at that one straight after. I, that was when I'd, I'd look. But to be honest, every tournament I've gone to, I've, I've learned a lot. Um, and they haven't always been easy. <laughs> no, no, it's never easy. The level's really high. So this brings me to to a topic that I've been thinking about recently. Like in the in the recent world championships, let's let's take the Panhaus Invitational invita Invitational, sorry. There's a lot of criticism that people say it's a bit rough, it's a bit physical. So what's your opinion about this? Is it all about the winning? Do you want to win in style? Or how, how do you see that balance like? It it is this is a tricky one. Um I find it interesting that this topic has came up now. Personally every tournament I've ever been to has been physical because when I started I was you know I was like 15 playing with the men so I was feeling like I was they weren't fouling me but just by existing in this small area I was bouncing off them yes I always felt like I can't wait until I'm strong and then I, I it won't happen to me so I've always felt the pressures of not being physically strong until recently when I was strong and the now that being said, I've always been not penalised, but I think looked at as if I'm a physical player. For me, I don't think that's a bad thing. Um, I always, yes, win with style, but if you're at a tournament, you're there to win, right? Um, yeah. For me, this is where the sport divides opinion. If you want it to, if you want to win an epic dance battle, mm -hmm. then no contact is like the NBA, right? Don't touch. If your hand even 
touches someone, blow it, blow it. And then it will look beautiful. But if I'm doing an ankle breaker and my arm comes up and it touches them, is that a foul? Is it not a foul? Because some people, when they're really strong, that could push the other person off. Some people, it might not. And then it starts getting a bit tricky. But that's that's the debate. For me, I love and I and I won't when I first started, the style that I like to watch was, you know, licked and so on. And of course I still love to watch it. The levels are insane and I have to respect it because it's amazing. But there is something in the efficiency and the ruthlessness of Ilias Tuba. I, I wanted to bring him up as an example, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which he's always had. I saw he was competing, I said he's going to win, and he did. And it's because he is so cold. His decision-making is amazing. He never misses. And he's extremely clever at using his body. Does he foul? Well, yes, but he's always on the edge. If it's not getting blown, it's not a foul. So why would he not do it? For me... I understand that watching someone like Licht is crazy. Jakob, there's millions of... Noah Kofi, there's millions of amazing players now that are in that tier. But because of how I've faced tournaments and how, you know, I've lost in them, I look at someone like Tuba, who's just a relentless winner, and at first I would respect it, but now I admire it. I think it's so clever. Mm -hmm. And I can see that to someone on the outside, they might want to watch more... Um, impressive skills but for me the intricacy of tuba is so impressive it's, it's the same hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price priceline All right, what's the best nutmeg you ever gave someone? What's your favorite one? Oh, this is tricky. Um, there was one that I did. Um, I just came back from my big injury, and it was one that I'd always wanted to do, and I'd forgot about it. And then I was just playing, and it was the first time back. I was a bit rusty, and I was playing with Bill, um, so Rabona GK is my good friend. And I was saying, nah, don't go easy on me. Like, let's, let's play. And I just hit this panel. It was kind of like... It's weird, Rabona, Hocus Pocus thing. But I did it, and then I remembered, oh, that was the move I always wanted to hit. That oh, was good. Yes. Then there's also one um, which we call within our little group the Goat Panel, like the greatest full time. And I, I thought I'd invented it, but then I don't claim anything because I know someone out there's already done it. It was like um, the Izzy Aka, and then you turn and back heel it. Oh, yeah. That's, that, that sounds nice in my mind. Yeah. It, as it landed, I back heeled it. What was so good about it, we were playing for ages and I couldn't panner him. And it was on this song called We Made It, which is like a pretty good song. And it's like, I don't know, eight minutes long. And on the final, final beat, the panner hit. And we were just standing there like, oh my, like that was magic. I'd say that one, that one as well was up there. So um, what was the point where you thought, hey, I can make a living out of this? I was at university. Um, I was 18, 19, I think. I was 19. I'd done one year. Um, I was traveling Europe with Adidas Tango Squad FC. 
I'd already been in quite a few adverts. I saved up quite a bit. Um, I think I had about 80,000 followers on Instagram. My dream was always to go into marketing. That's what I always wanted to do. I wanted to go into sports marketing, and then I wanted to like upgrade and go into like big sales. I wanted to be that guy that talks to people and get sales. And uh, anyway, that's what I wanted. But then obviously, Panna changed, was changing my life, and I saw it, and I thought, I can actually, yeah, I can do this. So what I did, I, I had 20% attendance at uni in my second year, because I was so busy. And then I said, look, I'm going to defer for one year. And I had a, an aim that if I can get this amount of money in a year, then I won't go back to uni. I did it in two months. And I was like, oh, okay, I won't go back okay. to uni. And I was yeah, just yeah, praying yeah. for the rest of the time. And it's so, also easier to sell it to your parents like that when you're actually making <laughs> some money, right? It is. I mean, my parents, my mum was, you know, the first person to take me to the club. And my dad um is, is my inspiration athletically so i think it's um they've always been on side even though they didn't fully understand how to make money from it they they were always happy that i was doing what i love so so when you were at your best right something something happened you got a major injury yeah so i was i was 22 so it was a year and a half ago and I had been training ridiculously since COVID. The whole of COVID, all I did was train. I went to Panna House, I got to the semi-finals, and I lost in a way that I thought was pretty silly on my behalf. I didn't think I played particularly well. I felt like I was out physical. And I'd resolved all my injuries pretty much. I have an ongoing knee thing, and blah, blah, but I was feeling good. Um, I was, I'd just been on holiday with my girlfriend. I chilled. And it was just getting up, it was just getting June, July coming. And there was, normally it's quite a lot of jobs then, but instead I was focusing on competition. So I'd taken a lot of the jobs out. My friend, my friend was going to play a charity match and I thought, oh, I'll come along and play just because it's for charity and TikTok, that'll be fun. And uh, it was quite competitive. So I was just chilling on the wing, nutmegged a couple of people, Roman Flicks scored a goal. And mm -hmm. my team was pretty bad. And my mate was in in goal and he was long balling it to me and I was thinking oh, this worked. it worked pretty well I've done one good move from it and then he long balled it and the keeper I have no idea why was out of his box um, apparently he was like hung over and I, he just dropped the ball when I kicked it he didn't like me anyway so anyway he's out of his box I'm sprinting he's sprinting a, goal, a defender runs across me so I don't see him and then he you know at 15 16 stone decides to leap not even looking at the ball and just knee me in the guts. Um, upon impact, he well, what had happened is my liver exploded. So a grade one liver laceration, you know, that's pretty bad. You cut your liver, it's bleeding. Grade two is like your organ got stabbed. A grade three is like someone shot your liver. Grade four, even worse. Grade five, they explained to me, if I took my liver, my organ, and I laid it in the concrete and I hit it with a sledgehammer until it exploded... Ah, uh, so what? What? The, and that after the initial like bang, did you realize straight away? Oh, this is not good. Well, straight away I couldn't breathe. Okay. So I've been winded many, many times in my life, and I have no, I can't breathe. So I'm there and I can't breathe, and I'm thinking, okay, relax. I still can't breathe. Basically, I think like forty-five seconds passes, and I don't take a breath. After about twenty, I'm convinced in my head I'm dying. So I don't want to die alone. So I grabbed the goalkeeper's hand and I'm holding his arm. And he's trying to walk away and I'm just holding it. Because I know I'm dying now. And I'm waiting and everyone's, everyone's rushing around just saying, but they're not rushing like thinking I'm bad. They're saying, oh, get up, get up. Oh, you're winded, it's fine, just get up. And I'm like, <laughs> anyway, and then I breathe. 
and I have this pain and it kind of shoots through your whole body. Anyway, they try and make me stay. Um, they think I'm just injured a little or something, but I knew I was dying. So I called myself, the ambulance wouldn't pick me up. Da, 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 da. I call a taxi, I pay 150 pounds. I get to hospital. Eventually I'm there. I go. With my wow. Girlfriend. So you had to take yourself to hospital in this state. Yeah. I, I took, I took myself to hospital. Um, I know people who have died in two hours from a grade two laceration. I had, a, I had grade six. By the time I got to hospital, I had 1.5 liters of blood in my abdomen. Oh. Uh, but they couldn't see it. When I was in the taxi, right? Imagine yeah. the corners. I had yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I was going white. And I, you know, have you ever seen, this is a random one. Have you ever seen the series Vikings? Yes. Right? Ragnar Lothbrook. I, the day before I got injured, I was watching Vikings and he got stabbed in his liver, right? He got stabbed in his liver. Oh. And then I'm in the taxi. I'm holding my girlfriend's hand. I'm in pain. I'm not crying, but I'm in pain. And I say to her, I say, I don't know how the Vikings did it. Because Ragnar Lothbrok from the Vikings, <laughs> he healed his own liver, right? He got stabbed, he laid down for a couple of days, and he went back fighting. I said, I don't know how I did it. Anyway, remember that, because as it progresses, I go to hospital, they, they think I've cracked a rib. They're like rotating me on some, all the blood's going up and down. I'm saying, I've not cracked a rib. I'm passing out left, right, center. They give me morphine, it doesn't work. And then what I remember, my girlfriend is looking at me and she's really, really scared. And I said, yeah, of course, this and must be almost worse for her than at yeah. that point. Like, yeah, and I'm yeah. just wait, I'm coming in and out of consciousness. And I say to her, I'm being wheeled away on the bed. And I know I'm not going to see her. And I say, don't worry, I'm strong. I'll be all right. I love you loads. And I say yeah, that, yeah. I remember it. Then the next thing I remember, I'm in a lift in the bed. And then I remember they're putting the gas on me. We're going to count to 10. You'll be asleep. Is that okay? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, do your thing. Then they're counting. They go 10 nine eight they start looking at me a bit weird seven six they're still looking at me relax relax five four three two one i'm still awake and then one guy goes that's enough to take down a horse and i remember thinking my body must have been fighting so hard it didn't even sleep the drugs anyway lots of crazy things passed then um i was in i was in two comas um I, they'd given me 15 pints of blood I've got, you know, a foot-long scar. They, they had to drain 500 mils of blood from each lung. Um, I was wired onto an ECMO machine. Da, da, da. A month passes of me in hospital. That's crazy, man. A yeah, a month in hospital. I could, it took three people to move me in a bed. I was watching people die around me constantly. I was on morphine, opium, ketamine. I was having the most horrific hallucinations. I was convinced I was never going to see my family again. I, there was no clock. I didn't know what time it is. I was underground in a basement. I didn't know what uh, what the day was. I didn't know what, if it was light or dark. I was unable to move. They, they literally wanted me to go to the toilet in my bed, which I refused to do. I, I, I started walking. I was the first person they'd seen walk in intensive care because I just got up because I refused to go to the toilet there. There was no toilet on the ward, so I walked all the way to the staff one. As I walked, people were clapping me because they didn't think it was possible. Um, but the craziest thing is my injury, because on the, day, on the day that I leave, they say, Jack, we don't think you're going to die. The whole time before that, they thought I was going to die. So on oh, the wow. day that I leave, they say, we don't think you're going to die. I'm talking to the head surgeon, and I'm saying, well, thank you for saving me. And I say, you know, what was it? Like... And he says, well, to be honest, your liver exploded. 
If it was one millimeter away in any direction, you would have died on impact. And then they said, if there's something called a chordate lobe in your liver, right? I don't know what it does, but it's important. And this is attached to your major arteries. And mine had evolved. It just landed somewhere else. That's I got transferred between hospitals to the best liver surgeon in Europe. And when I was transferred between, I couldn't go by helicopter because I'd have died by vibrations. I was driven. And when I got there, they were going to attach my chordate lobe. The first time they ever successfully did this was in 2017. Okay. So it's a very hard new operation. By the time I got there, my chordate lobe had attached itself. And they don't know how. So they opened me up. They looked at it. They went, actually, this is okay. They put it back and they left me in the coma to rest. First thing my girlfriend says to me when she hears this, when I wake up, she tells me, she goes, hey, Jack, you're a Viking. Because I healed my own liver. <laughs> oh, no, I got it. So yeah, I would yeah. take that. But yeah, it was lots of good fortune. The surgeon said to me, anyone else on the pitch would have died. Oh, wow. I said, okay, but what if I was playing with Cristiano Ronaldo? They said, yeah, he'd have died. And I said, I said, then why am I still alive? They said, we don't know how you made it, mm. but you did. So, wow. but yeah, that was that was that was a year and a half ago. Then I was learning to walk again, train again. They said I wouldn't be able to walk for three months, um, but I was already training within a month. I, was, I trained sixty. My dad, he actually lost his job um, because he was working in China. Came to visit me, couldn't get back to China. Okay, I found a way to work with him so that I got funding to work with him. So he trains me full time. And we were training 16 times a week, three times Monday to Friday, once on Saturday. Wow. Um, so you know what they say, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. Did, did it? Uh, well, <laughs> I was damn strong, ready to compete again this year. And then three months ago, um, the amount of scar tissue that built up from the blood that congealed to save my life. Uh, I just nutmegged Neymar. I was in Qatar. I got to Paris. I was, the day before, I was watching Liverpool in the Champions League final. I was there with my best friend. We both support Liverpool. I was at dinner. Um, I'd just been on a shoot. It was really successful. They didn't know I had an injury. Ironically, I was just explaining this exact story. And then I said, oh, sorry, you're going to have to excuse me from the table. I've got some pain. I go to the toilet thinking, I really hope I throw up or something because this hurts. Mm -hmm. I don't. And then I go back to the table and I say, look, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to leave. Um, I don't feel very well. They say, no, 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 stay. stay. I said, no, I, I have to go. So I bring my friend, I say, Jono, we've got to get out of here. Can you try and find me some painkillers? He goes looking, I'm at the hotel and I start being sick. And normally when you're sick, you feel a bit better. But I was sick and sick and sick. Nine hours straight, I was sick. I was drinking water just so I could throw something up. Yeah. It turns out that my intestines had been strangulated by the scar tissue and that I was going to throw up until I died. Oh, wow. So I was going to be sick until I died. But I, I went to hospital. Um, that was a long procedure, but they managed to clear it all up eventually when they found out what it was and after a week of not eating I then left came back to England stayed with my family again uh, every rehab I'm here with my mum and my dad comes and supports me and my sisters as well but um, yeah three weeks I couldn't eat I lost 14 kilograms um, and I was I couldn't even do a press up I couldn't run um, and then I knew the world champs were fast approaching so in two months from the day of injury so at this point I had about five weeks before world champ yeah yeah. I, I, in my head i thought it's not even possible i can't do it i would like to but why would i compete when i'm rubbish if i'd competed when i was fit okay good i can represent myself but now i can't represent myself um so i thought i'm not gonna do it but then i was training i was training and i was doing a little bit of power and i was feeling 
pretty good. I was doing some moves and I was like, actually, these are nice. <laughs> and I was feeling, although I was lighter, I was feeling fast. And I got, I wanted to go to Panna House, but I knew that if I have one knock on my abdomen, I'm done. So I, I was thinking maybe Panna House is too tough. And I was thinking, okay, I'll, I'll aim for Panna Knockout. And then I had this job come in and it was a really big job. And all I had to do was post two TikToks and I was going to get quite a lot of money. And obviously, um, w with, you know, dying all the time, you lose a lot of money. My dad's job, my mum didn't want to go back to work, well, couldn't go back to work for a period. My girlfriend couldn't, my sister couldn't. I'm losing a lot of my money, but it's not about that. And anyway, so this big job comes in and I'm thinking, oh, great, that's good. When is it? It's on the, the exact same hour as the Super Bowl Panna tournament. Man, I was, I was, I was thinking it would be amazing to get to Super Bowl, but probably can't. And then I saw this job come, yeah. And I thought, Jack, if you can go and do it, all I had to do with this job was kick a ball at a LCD screen and things like this. And I thought, yeah, but if I can do that, why would I choose to do that instead of go to Super Bowl? I said, I can, I believe I've got two weeks, I can do Super Bowl, and also I know that with my insides right now sometimes i just feel very rough i just feel very Ill. and okay and i actually on the week of pan house yes. i was feeling very ill as well i think there's no chance and then super bowl was coming and i was feeling actually i'm feeling okay so i thought i just book it and i cancelled the job which was a lot of money i i bought my flights last minute they were 500 pound each i bought two the hotel had no space for me i'm thinking ah oh, so it's costing me loads and i go and I'm just going to do it because who knows what will happen with Panda Knockout. I'm going to at least get to one of them. So I get there and then I obviously Super Bowl's amazing, amazing to be there. But now in my head, I'm thinking, I really have to try and win this because I've, one, I've put all the money on the line. Two, I've, I'm here. I have to. And <laughs> obviously there was some great players there and it, that was great. And the funny thing was my first game, I lost. So it was in the group stage, and I just lost it. And I lost it really pretty easily. Because the guy was very good, but I was thinking, what? And I was like, maybe this is too soon. And I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, why did I even do this? Like, And then something in my head switched. It was winner stays on, and I had to play the same guy again. No way am I losing to him twice. No way. And then I beat him, and then I won seven in a row, and then went through, and... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the Super Bowl tournament is, is obviously the side thing, but it's still there's still great players there. Fajani was there in the final, and we had a great battle. We always do. In 2019, he beat me. In 2020, I beat him, and then this was kind of like uh, the trilogy. So it was, I was, you know, that ended in dramatic fashion. But well, and you won, and you won. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I won just about goal line clearance and golden goal to to survive. But it was it was one of them where I felt actually this is going in my favor. I feel like I've deserved. I earned this. And that was nice. So just to round up this uh, talk, right? So what, what is Jack doing in, in three or five years? Like what's your, what's your master plan for the next coming years? <laughs> three or five years. I mean, I'd say the next year is, is, is physicality and Pana. That's what I want. I want to I feel like an athlete again. I want to live like an athlete again. I'm working with my dad on some pretty cool projects. Yeah, uh, and I'm also trying to do Panna as well. So that'll be that'll be the next year. Following that, um, if everything goes to plan, I can progress to the next stage. Right, I'm, I'm going to start playing uh, futsal indoor five side. That's why I'm moving house to be near a club there. Oh, uh, cool! Want to play wanna... for the UK team, maybe? 
Yeah, I mean, when that comes back, I'd want to. I think for me, um, it's something in my game I'd love to improve, my left foot, my shooting. The sign that to be a complete player, I know I need. So for me, I'm, I'm going to futsal and I'm going to try my best there and I'm going to learn as much as I can. Then, you know, 1v1's kind of done. I'm always trying to compete in 2v2 and 3v3. Um, so hopefully there's more of those tournaments to really, uh, you know, I want to I want to have a team that does well at these. because I think it's an art. I spent a lot of time in Street Kings. That's inspired me to do that. Then futsal will be progressing. Following that, I don't know, maybe in five years I might step on the 11 side pitch and try and be a pro age 30. I don't know. For me, if it's something that people can um, can learn from then and be inspired by, and who's gone pro at 30? I don't know. But I would love to play in a top league at that age. Although I full well know that right now I'm so trash at 11 side. But I know that if I put the time in and I'm in a fortunate position whereby training is my job, um, I'll, I'll hopefully be able to find time around those years to try and maybe make it 11 side. I don't know, but if I don't even like 11 side, <laughs> it would inspire a lot of kids and well athletes to continue pursuing their dreams. So hopefully, maybe one day I can do that. Other than that, just continue spreading the sport, trying to inspire, trying to compete, and you know, enjoying enjoying the well being here. <laughs> Perfect, man. Well, I think that's all for today, Jack. Thank you so much for talking to me. It was a pleasure. You too, you too. And I'm looking forward to hearing the other episodes on this podcast. I think it's great what you're doing and uh, what you do for the sport itself. It's, uh, I'm not a freestyler and I watch the videos every day. So, you know, I love well, it. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. I'm actually a street football player hey. to begin with. And then I turned to freestyle. I'm sure I used you on FIFA Street back in the day. I'm sure I had you on my team. I'm sure. Yeah, I man. <laughs>